When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. This is Mornings with Ian Smith. Morena, New Zealand, good morning to you. It is uh, three minutes past nine here on SENZ. Mornings through till 12 o'clock uh, and then... Uh, Mark Stafford throughout the afternoon and the drive team, Ricky Schwinnell uh, and Stephen Donald to take you into the early evening. Busy show this morning and uh, a number of sort of topics uh, across the spectrum. We've got uh, rugby league on the back of uh, the fact that, uh, of course, we've got a new team in the NRL, the Dolphins coming out of Queensland. What about New Zealand's second bid? The Wellington Orcas have had two cracks. Are they going to have another one now? Are they inspired to do so? Graham, uh, Andrew Chalmers. Uh, as the CEO of the Wellington Orcas Limited. We'll talk to him. Graham Dews is uh, now the Northland coach, actually. He's the stand-in coach. Uh, the Tunny Father have had to move around to get their games in, so we'll be chatting to him around 9.30. Grace Brooker. Grace Brooker is uh, a Black Fern, of course, and now part of the newly named Matatu, one of the first signings. Matatu and Canterbury, of course, uh, and uh, she wasn't able to play in the FPC final due to uh, international commitments. So a good chat to her just after... 10 o'clock, Mark Hinton and Dylan Cleaver on the panel. Uh, then we're going to uh, we be talking to Frank Van Hattam after 11 o'clock. Frank Van Hattam, of course, famous all-white goalkeeper. On that performance of the all-whites getting together so quickly and coming up with two wins, just like that. Outstanding. Sport is our religion. And here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, we hear it. Forget it went round. Get on it next time. Follow your money. Desperately unlucky. Often used phrases by race callers and analysts to appease the disappointed punter to encourage him or her to forget about the loss and turn the page on the race book. They are clever people, probably underpaid for their work. They are marketers and promoters on top of their core roles. They're also very clever at avoiding poor performance, particularly of jockeys, drivers and horses. In all other forms of sporting analysis, failings are highlighted. Names are mentioned. Drop passes, missed kicks, drop catches, missed fields, missed tackles. I think they call it accountability. They're all associated with individuals replayed ad nauseum, but they, along with the good points, add a full picture and true balance to an overall performance. The little ones generally escape. Behind the scenes, trainers and owners may express their despair, but up front, you sever, seldom ever hear it. Where's the interview of the jockey, the driver that gets it completely wrong? on a $2 or less shot. There's a hell of a lot of money on those horses from a hell of a lot of punters. Do they not deserve answers? 
Yesterday at the Glamour Media in Caulfield, Damien Oliver fell asleep on Alcyone in race three. Brent Preble completely butchered any chance Zuzarella had in race seven. Floating artists went down the gurgler at $1.60 in race two. Not a peep, not a peep for the punter. They were just uh, three that come to mind. There are dozens, dozens every week. Most of those top riders and drivers are good at their jobs. They earn plenty in Australia, not so much here. They get plenty of plaudits on the winners. They scurry to the riders' room on the losers. Generally speaking, horses don't talk. There is the rare exception, of course. So we need to know and hear more from those that can. Come clean. Say sorry. You can get it wrong. Just be honest. Commentators, analysts, give us what you really think. In a competitive betting market with many more options to look at across the board, racing has to fall in line. Turn the page doesn't cut it anymore. Well, the Brisbane-based Dolphins have got the green light as the 17th NRL team uh, for 2023 onwards, and a man who has tried twice uh, before to get a team in the competition is Andrew Chalmers. He's the managing director of the Orcas Rugby League Limited. He joins us now. Uh, good morning, Andrew. Uh, good news for the Dolphins, and in a way, really good news for you guys down there at the Orcas as well. Yeah, morning, Steve. Absolutely. Um, obviously, the Dolphins would be very happy having beaten off the the Firehawks and the uh, Jets. Um, We've had to put up a, a lot of money and a lot of guarantees to, to meet those requirements, but it does it does all go well for the next um, phase of the expansion because obviously you're not going to stay at 17 teams um, for too long. So you've had this desire. Um, it still burns in you, does it, to get the, the Orcas to be team number 18? And, and what kind of time frame would you be looking at? I think... Um, yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, I, I was thinking about it. I, I was first involved in uh, putting the bid for the uh, it was the Wellington Dolphins. That was in 1991. And I look back and think, <clears throat> mate, that's 30 years ago. And then obviously the second <laughs> bid went in in 2004. So um, in terms of in terms of uh, in terms of timelines, you know, I, it's a it's one of those things where I sort of I believed it was right in 1991 when the submissions went in for the start in '94, which obviously the Warriors went into, and I think it'd be a great thing for the sporting landscape in this country. I think it'd be a great thing for all sports fans. It'd be a great thing for um, rugby league fans, and it'd be great for um, the existing clubs in the NRL, and it'd be great for the Warriors as well, um, creating that. Um, local derby, but you've got to be realistic about um, time frames. And the way the way we see it is this: is that if you look at the TV rights deals, the NRL expanded the existing TV rights deal for Sky and for Fox to expire in the 2027 season, and the Channel 9 deal. Uh, only runs until the end of next year, 2022. So you'd imagine they'll bring those all into an alignment. And obviously what they're doing is, as they've done with this uh, current extension, they've been able to get an uplift in the money uh, that was on offer, which has benefited the NRL and all the other clubs. And 
you'll follow, we think, the same process with respect to kicking off the next level of the expansion, and we think that will be in the 2028 season. That might sound a fair way out, but in reality it's not, because as a club you have to be buying players um, and in the market from 1 November 2026 at the absolute latest. So if you sort of work backwards from there, <clears throat> this new club is going to kick off in 2023. They'll want to see that bid in and be successful. And, you know, you'll want a reasonable period of time for that to happen. So if that's happening over 24, 25, it sort of, it sort of all seems to, um, all seems to make sense. Okay, so um, you've had two cracks at it. Um, you, what have you learnt you need to do perhaps more uh, to convince and to make it successful the third time around? What have you learnt from those two original goes? I think um, why we missed out in um, 1994, it became a bit of a foot race um, with the other clubs and the, the money that was on offer at that time from a sponsorship perspective, I, the, the, the Dolphins had a deal worth a million dollars a year, and those, and, and, and at that time, was was well above what was on offer. But that wasn't enough because obviously the, the DB Warriors, as they were at that time, got in and they basically had an unlimited checkbook and were able to buy their way to the table. And we, we saw that 2004, and that was in the Ken Arthur and John Quayle days. 2004, there was question marks over Plan X and the value of the media rights. And both of those questions have been well and truly answered. If you look back um, uh, in terms of the value of the media rights, have just continued to go up. Obviously, the digital, the digital explosion and revolution has changed sports view of how to um, monetize and capitalize on, on the value of those rights. That's happened right across the sport. The NRL have done it tremendously. The RFL in the UK haven't done it as well as what the NRL have. So you can you can you can see where they um, identify how to create value in terms of the player depth. Um, you look through the, the the top the 25 playing roster for each NRL club and Super League club, and look how many Kiwi players <clears throat> are in there. But then have a look below that and have a look at all the development and high performance pathways and have a look how many Kiwi players are jamming up looking to come through. So there's no question as to the, uh, as to, um, the player pool and availability. And, and that's a key issue. At the moment, one of the uh, challenges, obviously, the Dolphins have is they're coming into a marketplace. Sure, they're catched up, but the players are already in rosters and they're going to have to pay and pay big money to be able to get players um, into their club. They're not going to make an immediate uh, dent in terms of expansion of new players, which is one of the things that the Orcas will focus heavily on, is the player development pipeline. And let's face it, we're a rugby, rugby league, mad country. We like television sports. We we love sport full stop. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll add even further to that um, elite playing pool. Andrew, we've seen from uh, the America's Cup, for instance, that uh, these bids take a hell of a lot of money. Um, I would imagine it's the same here. Uh, to put a, a feasible bid together is going to take you a lot of money. Uh, are you confident that, that you've got the backing to go ahead from this point onwards? Yeah. Look, there's 
feasibility of it's going to cost at least a million, at least a million bucks um, straight off the top. But in terms of the scale of the capital that you'll need for uh, a club, again, the process that the NRL has just been through gives you a really good benchmark. Um, the Dolphins have had to front with 50 million in bank guarantees, and that's effectively five years of 10 million to cover any operating losses and risk. And then on top of that, they've got at least um, 50 million in cap- capital committed. So when you start looking at it in that scale, that gives you a really good idea as to <clears throat> what the benchmark needs to be. Um, it's it's a it's a it's a business. That's the reality. It's a it's a it's a business, and it's got to be run like that. And the NRL are adopting a very business-like approach to the way in which they're evaluating what they want the competing bids to have to um, reach in terms of how high the bar is being set. And I think also it's probably um, around their thinking with what's happened with um, COVID. They'll want to make sure that not just the new clubs but the existing clubs strengthen their basis because there was, you know, touch and go as to whether there'd even be a grand final, whether there'd even be a competition and what the financial impact, obviously, of clubs not being able to uh, meet all their commercial obligations and um, have um, fans in and generating that revenue uh, through the turnstile, what, what, what effect that had on those clubs' P&Ls and balance sheets. So, obviously, the expansion of the game from a strategic point of view New Zealand, New Zealand, a second New Zealand franchise gives a big tick. Obviously, the additional game, um, mm. 17 is not a nice number, as you know, from a competition point of view. 18 is a, a very good number because it gives you the extra game. If you have a look now, where the upsell has been for the NRL, they had 16 times to what's 192 um, games, uh, excluding the playoffs. Here, the CB will increase it to 26 rounds from 24, have two buys, and that will give you 17 times 12, which is 204. So these are your extra games. But uh, an 18th 18th team gives them a a lot of options. It's strategic, and it gives them that sort of key playing slot as well in terms of of timing that they don't have at the moment with only having one team. So, you know, there's a lot of strong strategic reasons. You, You can look at it from a facility point of view, obviously, we won't play all our games in Wellington. If it was 12 home games, we'd play, we think, um, eight or nine in Wellington, um, 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 say two in Christchurch and one somewhere else in New Zealand. Um, and that's off the back of obviously the uh, Canterbury um, multi-use arena being built and coming online at the end of 2024, 2025. So facility-wise, you know, we're able to offer up um, first class facilities, even the high performance um, facility in Wellington. I'm not sure if you've been out and had a look at the um, New Zealand Campus of Innovation and Sport out at Upper Hutt. Um, I went along and had a look at the investment and facilities that are being built there. They're world class facilities. So, uh, one of the big things uh, against getting it across the line, Andrew, of course, is uh, whether the NRL believe um, New Zealand can sustain two Kiwi sides, I would imagine. So in a way, uh, that depends a lot on performance. So you really do need the Warriors to be strong during this time to illustrate that there is that depth, there is that support. Yeah, look, I 
I think you, the, the NRL will play the long game. You, you, you look at this season where the, the Broncos were lang- languishing in the very, very bottom part of the table, yet it didn't stop them pushing forward and getting you know three bidders to the table because it sought it, it met the strategic objectives. Growing, growing the game is growing the value, uh, growing the uh, commercial revenues, growing the value of all the franchises, and growing the playing base, and also growing, growing the idols. New Zealand will definitely tick all of those boxes. Um, and, you know, it becomes a, a question of, of, is the political will there at the NRL level? Well, the NRL have come out and said that a second um, a New Zealand team makes strategic sense. Andrew Abdo said that earlier this year. So you've got a bit of a different scenario here where the leadership within the NRL clearly sees the strategic and commercial value of expanding the game and they see the strength of having a second New Zealand side. Um, uh, And it will be good for the Warriors. It will be very, very good and it will be good for New Zealand sport. If the Orcas are playing the Warriors, you're going to get packed houses in, in Auckland and in Wellington. That's the reality. Well, Andrew, um, it's been 30 years in the making for you, and it's nice to hear that uh, you have not given up your determination on behalf of a second franchise in the NRL. Thanks, uh, thanks very much for your time this morning, uh, and continue the good work. We look forward to the progress and any news coming out of the camp. Thank you. Thanks, man. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. Andrew Chalmers there. He is the Managing Director of the Orcas Rugby League Limited and firmly believing that they can be the 18th team. Yes, the 18th team in the NRL uh, coming up uh, probably with a start date in the competition around 2028. Seems a long way away. Yes, it does. But uh, there's a lot of things that have to be put in line uh, to convince the NRL that it is feasible. What's uh, your opinion on that? Can we sustain it in your mind? Do we have the... Uh, do we have the depth, do we have the interest, do we have the level of support across the board to sustain a second NRL team? Do we need the Warriors uh, to actually front up and, and, and be more consistent, make the playoffs on a more regular basis? Um, because uh, rugby leagues and fans in Australia probably look at the Warriors and say, well, that's the depth of rugby league in New Zealand. Uh, if they can't make it, if they can't make it with one team, how can they make it with two? Uh, so give us your opinion on that, double eight. Double three, double eight, double three is our text number. It's nine twenty here on SENZ with Ian Smith on SENZ. Pretty quiet on the text front this morning, and none of you seem to have uh, an opinion on whether uh, there is a sustainability for two NRL teams in this country. Uh, are we dreaming there? Do the Warriors have to do better to get more credibility in the depth of league in this country? I mean, how many players would they have to buy from Australia or for England, for instance, uh, to put a team together? All part of that, um, perhaps that proposed bid uh, that we were just talking about um, with the Orcas down in Wellington. Uh, don't forget, if you do text us, uh, you're in line to win a temper pillow this week for worth 299 bucks and the best te- text of the month, which will come from this show, the 9 to 12 show, uh, will win a temper queen package, including a temper queen mattress, temper queen adjustable base, two temper pillows. Now that's valued at 10,000 bucks, and that's worth having a crack at. Um, I would imagine. So, yeah, um, not too much uh, feedback on that one at the moment. So le- uh, let's talk about uh, the cricket that happened overnight. What a fascinating game. I was watching this right down to the wire, and uh, Brett McCullum would have been having kittens at the end of it. They were coasting. 
Uh, the Kolkata Knight Riders, a very moderate 135 for five. They were chasing in 20 overs. Uh, and then uh, all of a sudden, uh, the Kolkata were just cruising. 123 for one, lost six wickets for seven runs. Six for seven, including Dinesh Kartik, Owen Morgan, Shakib Alassane and Sunil Nareen, all of whom made ducks in that last spell. Last over was uh, bowled by Ravi Ashwin, uh, and uh, it was Rahul Tripathi hit a six of the penultimate ball to uh, seal the match for the Knight Riders, but Brendan McCullum uh, would have been sweating big time as they just fell apart. And what does that mean? Well, that means that the final will be between uh, his Kolkata Knight Riders and Stephen Fleming's Chennai Super Kings, and that will take place at 3 a.m. on Saturday morning. Uh, and I'd imagine Baz will be back at work on Monday. Uh, as a result of that, but uh, that is just an amazing performance to think that we had uh, three coaches in it, three of them got down to the last four teams basically, so what does it say about our ability to bring squads together from a coaching point of view? Uh, Brennan McCullum's team were out of it, out of it at the end of the first part of this IPL, Uh, they really didn't have any uh, playoff hopes at all, I mean he's an optimist Brendan, but I think when he hopped on the plane to go over to the UAE to carry on the crusade. I, I, I would imagine he was probably thinking he'd be home pretty quickly. Uh, but somehow he's managed to galvanise them to the point that they're a really, a really good uh, side all of a sudden. And even though they faltered today, they did handle the pressure. Uh, Zane's come in with a text and uh, I love his input all the time. And uh, Zane, of course, won uh, last week's temper pillow. Uh, he says, I'm a huge Warriors fan, born and raised in Wellington. I'd love for them to get a team here, however, for it to be sustainable. I think you need someone with mega wealth to back it. We don't have the gaming revenue that the Aussie teams get through their leagues clubs to support the team. The reality is that no team in the NRL is sustainable on footy revenue alone. Not sure we have anyone with that kind of wealth to back a team here in Wellington. Thanks, uh, Zane, for your input this morning, as always. Uh, thinking about it quite deeply. And practically, and, and I'm, I'm sort of with them, John, on, on that because it is going to take a seriously big, high-profile bidder to get in, in behind it. You know, looking going back in the Wellington days, like a, a Sarah Pisos was for Wellington football, Terry Sarah Pisos, that kind of a bloke. Yeah, but I think you want someone where you know where that money's coming from. Uh, I think Terry Sarah Pisos had a few dodgy dealings. I was thinking of the name. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking of the name, John. The name, that kind of name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In. His cash was, yeah, dubious. But um, you do, you need massive backing. And the Dolphins haven't just popped up out of nowhere. I think they've been trying for something around 70 years they've been around and they've got a huge amount of money and a huge amount of assets. So uh, Andrew Chalmers has been plugging away for 30 years, but I'm not sure he quite has that $50 million just lying around. And then you've got to have good contacts. Like the Dolphins have been able to get Wayne Bennett straight on board, Smithy, and I think that's huge. If you want to get good players, you first of all need a great coach. So the Yorkers would need $50 million, and I think they'd need a super coach as well to try and get that Kiwi talent back home. So a lot of things in the way of the Yorkers, but I like Andrew Chalmers, how he just does not give up. So I think we should rally behind him. I think there's enough Kiwi players around the world, like he mentioned, to fill a second NRL team, and I think there's enough bandwagon fans. If the war, if the Yorkers were good or had a good roster, I think a lot of Warriors fans would switch across to the Yorkers. So I think there is uh, an appetite for a second NRL team in New Zealand. Okay, try 1908 too. 1908. If you if you look at the where the Orcas basically started, uh, they started in a form in 1908. It's 9:30 here on SENZ, which is news time.
Well, we've been doing a, a bit of a round the houses lately on the NPC sides, uh, just seeing how they're trucking. Uh, some, of course, not involved at all, but uh, some lucky ones are able to. But I've had to make sacrifices to stay in the competition, and that is the case with Northland, the Tanifa. Uh, it's been an unsettling Bunnings NPC season for the teams, uh, but they've been forced to move out of Whangarei at short notice, and at this stage they don't know when they'll be able to return home due to the Level 3 lockdown up north. That's a crazy lockdown too. It must make them absolutely puke. Uh, so joining us now from their new base in Bay of Plenty is the Tanifar assistant coach, Graham Jews, who's had to step in now as the head coach, uh, Graham. But first of all, you've just had, what, have you just had a COVID test? How did you go? Yeah, um, I have to say um, probably a bit worse than the first one. <laughs> Went a bit deeper, I guess. Today. <laughs> Wendy, you've got the result on that though. You're all you're all clear to go. Oh no, um, the the team are just uh, in, in the stages of getting their second second test. Um, we've just decided to try and keep on top of things. Um, probably just because we know we're guessing in this area, so we just want to make sure that we're regularly getting tested um, while we're down here. So what's the what's the setup you've you've come into training facilities wise, hotel wise, and that and. How much notice did you have to, to organise all, all this stuff, Graham? Oh, pretty much. Uh, we had to pack up uh, within twelve hours and get, and get on get on the road. We um, were lucky we've been put up in a um, very nice hotel, um, so the team is happy. Um, just in terms of training, we've um, just organised um, uh, a school field to train on um, from one of our contacts here. Um, yeah, so we're making do. We, we can't complain. So, uh, how many of the team have, uh, how many have the team been having to pack up and leave their families and not knowing um, exactly when when you can go home? How about the uncertainty there? Yeah, um, majority of our squad has come down. There's there's a couple. Um, our captain, he actually um, has just had a newborn baby a week prior, so he's not with us. Um, but the majority of the squad. Um, apart from guys with serious injuries that have come down. Um, yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty because, like I said, we really just had to pack up and jump on a, a team bus. Um, I took the lead with some of uh, staff with a big uh, horse float <laughs> packed with rugby gear. But, uh, no, we're, just, we're, we're good. Sunny's uh, ton, boys are pretty good at adapting to um, uh, different situations. So, yeah, we're making do. So, Graham, you've stepped into um, the big role because uh, head coach George Cornier has had uh, hip surgery. Um, how are you enjoying uh, that, that uh, extra responsibility? Um, yeah, I, I enjoy a challenge. Um, no, I'm not scared to um, put my foot forward. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, I'm not going to say it's, a, it's an easy job. Uh, George is a bloody good head coach, so I've been lucky just to be following in his shadow. So, no, nothing's changed. Um, just pretty much do what George tries to do. So you've, you've scored a lot of tries uh, in this game, uh, this season so far, Graham, but unfortunately you haven't been able to get the wins on top of that performance. So what, what's been the issue for you? Um, probably one of, the, one of the big issues, well, not big issue, but one of the issues were um, we, we had a couple of really big injuries at the start to some of our leaders. We lost... Tom Rob, um, he, he took a, a very bad knock to the head. Um, then we had a couple of boys in the early rounds 
uh, when they have them with red cards. Um, so when you when you lose some of your key key leaders in the team, it, it does have a, a bit of an effect. Um, we were lucky luckily to get um, Dan Hawkins back at the pivot role last week, and and uh, for Rene Rangers' hundredth game, so he, he he played a big role in directing the team. Um, and we've got a lot of young boys that have stepped up from club rugby this year, so it's part of just growing them and giving them that that experience. And it's really pleasing to see them. You know, they're um, good good bunch of boys. They're, they're growing week by week. Graham, Tom Robinson. You mentioned Tom Rob there um, with the with the blow with with the concussion. So where's he at in, in his? Uh, uh, ability to come back and play. Will, will will you be seeing him, or are we waiting for Super Rugby? Um, po- possibly. I, I guess one of the, I guess um, the, one of the positives from our end around this COVID drawing the team, um, drawing the competition out is um, it will allow Tom to get back. Um, I think this was his third, third or fourth concussion. So we had pretty much said that um, we didn't. He, he's got. We want him to go to high honours. He's got bigger things to worry about. So we weren't expecting him to be available for NPC uh, this year. Um, but because it's been drawn out, uh, potentially he could be back for one or two games before the end of the season. Um, but it's all up to him. Uh, there's no pressure from from us to force him to play. But uh, Tom being Tom, he's, if he if he passes all the tests, he's probably be he'll be keen to put on the Tunney jersey again. Graham. You found the right formula um, against Waikato. I mean, that was one heck of a performance, uh, upset the apple cart there. Um, but I imagine it wasn't a surprise uh, within the camp as it was for those people looking on. It coincided with the 100th game for, for Rene Ranger. Tell us about where that performance came from and, and why, for you, uh, it happened that night. Um. Obviously, the hundreds for the boys, that was a big motivator for the, the players. Um, but after that first lockdown uh, this year, um, we'd been training really well. Like our first game back, we, we played against Tasman and, and we gave them a good go. Um, there was a lot of lot of confidence there against Mono too. Probably um, we had a big, uh, we had like a nine-hour travel. We had to bus up to Kerry Kerry, uh, fly down to Wellington and then catch another bus all the way to um, uh, Palmy, so and then play the next, pretty much the next day. So the um, that was a bit of a banana skin for us, but uh, because we'd been training well and and building towards Renee's hundredth, there's, there's a lot of confidence that week. Um, and like I said, we had a couple of key players come back um, that we were able to slot into the um, playing 23. So yeah, it was it was good. We're just hoping we can we can back it up. That's been a big motivation for us this week. Is Despite all the hurdles, we, we want to try back it up against um, um, the opposition this weekend. Yeah, so Otago uh, in Rotorua tomorrow night, yep. which is uh, just down the road. Uh, they've picked up one win as well. So um, uh, this is a, maybe a, a, a battle between two, two sides that really do need to prove a point here. So it should be, should be quite entertaining. Yeah, we're, we're hoping it's going to be an entertaining uh, game. Um, I know... One of the big factors we've talked about is just our our defence. We, we Tunis rugby, we like to play play around and and score, um, but uh, there's probably one thing that um, we've been lacking is probably just um, work around um, 
in the defense. So that's a big factor for us for heading into the game. So um, all going well, you'll find out Monday when you uh, might be able to, to get home. Is that, is that the case? Um, yeah, potentially. Um, it looks like just from, from what we hear, we, we may be staying down here one more week. Um, so we're just going through going through that process now. Obviously, we've got players with young families, and and um, they may need to leave. But um, yeah, we'll just we'll just see how things go. Um, I mean, it's it's probably most one of the most infuriating situations when you can see how this has developed for the Northland Province. Now you're you know you're you're the, probably the most high profile team um, and bunch of people that come out of uh, Northland. So man. Uh, how frustrating is it to be in this situation where, out of no doing, no uh, fault of your own, you're forced to do these kind of things? I mean, uh, uh, it would get to me, I can promise you, it would absolutely get to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, we can can see the um, um, where, where we could jump up and down and be, get upset about things. But, um, you know, it's a privilege for us. Like, there's other people in Northland and just like the other country that they can't do any, do um, get out and, you know, go to funerals or see loved ones or people sick. So we're very privileged and we've talked about that as a group. Like, um, we're very lucky to, to be able to get out. So we, we want to wanna put our best, best foot forward and represent the province, um, not just as a rugby team, but just as, as people from Northland. So, um, yeah, we would try not to look at the, the negative side of things. We're looking at the positives. Just looking, um, you know, uh, probably doesn't concern you too too much this time around. But if you are in contention, uh, how are you feeling uh, on the promotion relegation side of things, Graham? Uh, have Have you had a chance to to really study the stance on that? Um, not really study, but um, just a, um, just around that. Um, just just based on on how our season went last year. We're quite confident that if we if we get into the like those playoff stages, we will put on a, a good performance, whether we win or win or lose. Um, we got a we got a tight bunch of boys, and they know uh, when it comes to the important games, they know when to step up. Okay, Graham. Hey, look, fantastic to catch up with you. I love your attitude. Uh, I love the, the fact that you're just going to roll your sleeves up and put up with what you have to and get on with it. And I hope that stands you in good stead. Good luck tomorrow night. Um, against Otago and those those matches coming up. Thanks for your time this morning. Awesome. Cheers for that. Thank you. Cheers, Graham Juzia. Um, really cool man. What you know? What a a nice refreshing, refreshing uh, attitude, John. I mean, I, I would be absolutely livid uh, because if we know what's caused this lockdown in Northland. I would be absolutely steaming if I had to do that because of this pathetic, pathetic occurrence up there. Uh, yeah, but they're just taking on their chin and getting on with it. So I admire them for that. Yeah, jump on the bus and what? get the horse float. <laughs> Organise one of yeah. your mates to get a horse float, chuck the bags in there, and away you go down the road to Bay of Plenty. No worries. It's just such the Northland attitude, isn't it? So good, so refreshing. Yeah, it is, actually. Um, it really is quite refreshing. And again, a, a typical, um, I think, advertisement of NPC rugby, or of rugby at the province's level. Uh, away from the big cities, what you're prepared to do and, and what you just get on and do it. Outstanding. 9.45 here uh, on SENZ. Uh, texts are starting to roll in about that second NRL team. 
Uh, we'll read them out very shortly, and we appreciate your input. Thank you. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, a number of uh, texts have come in on this issue of a second NRL team uh, with the Orcas looking to perhaps become uh, a definite bid around about 2026 with a view to getting in the comp at 2028. We've heard that this morning from their CEO, Andrew Chalmers. Uh, your reaction to that from Elliot, very short and sharp. Not a chance us one, uh, us day one was a fans are ever going to jump ship, so thanks very much for those. Uh, sentiments, Elliot. I imagine there would be some great rivalry if it ever eventuated. Uh, Smitty, if we had a team come from Wellington, there could be room to incorporate a Lord of the Rings type name. So I wonder if Peter Jackson has any interest in league for funding purposes. Uh, the Wellington Orcs, for instance. Uh, but in all seriousness, Smitty and John, let's just focus on the one New Zealand team uh, and try to get them to reignite their flair and get into a grand final again. Saying this as a Warriors supporter, imagine the disappointment of being let down by Two teams. Uh, that's Reed uh, Smithy. I think the interview he just had uh, on is dreaming a bit if he thinks we can sustain two NRL teams in New Zealand, let alone two in the North Island. Sure, we have uh, Kiwis playing all over the world, but the reason they leave New Zealand is for better money, coaching systems and environments, etc. The Warriors have been in the NRL for years and still Kiwis leave. Secondly, the South Auckland Warriors fans are some of the best in New Zealand. And yet, even they struggle to sell out a stadium week in, week out. It's been a while uh, since they've uh, been able to do that anyway. If anything, a large investor needs to set up the Canterbury Bulls in Christchurch and get a great coach and then look to grow it there. Interesting uh, theory there. Um, Smithy, there is room for two NRL teams in New Zealand. That last one was from Craig, by the way. Thank you, Craig. Uh, There is uh, room. The two NRL teams in New Zealand, there is enough New Zealand and Pacific Island talent to fill another team in New Zealand. I see it also as being a good thing for the Warriors. It would create a local rivalry and make the Warriors take more accountability for their results. Bankrolling it will be difficult as they will need an owner with deep, deep pockets. That's from Chris. Uh, With a new stadium coming to Christchurch and the numbers of leagues players in the South and New Zealand, a backer with plenty of cash reserved and business know-how is all that's needed. Easy uh, in today's world. Jim from Tamuka. Uh, thanks very much, uh, folks, for, for all those uh, particular texts. There's, uh, there's also an, I saw another one. The Wellington Orcas will, will struggle getting enough top-line players, as do the Warriors, to cross the Tasman. Uh, the Warriors get a lot of other clubs, uh, leftovers, and players wanting a payday at the end of their careers. What was the point in signing Kieran Forum, Kieran, uh, Kieran Forum for one year and Ash Taylor of late? NRL welfare, apologies for the Warriors' rant. That's uh, from Jordan. So uh, there's, uh, there is a bit of feeling. Uh, initially, I don't think you, you really care too much about it, but you certainly do. Uh, you're a former workmate. Dean Nolligan always used to say you're not an owner, you're a donor. New Zealand is not big enough for two teams. Cheers from Carl. So they just keep flooding and keep that uh, coming to a double eight, double three and get a, a chance to win some of those temper products. That'll be fantastic. Multi-time when we return. Voice of sport in New Zealand. Superman! Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold up. Know when to fold up. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. 
Three out of four yesterday, folks. Uh, Dodgers beat the Giants. Monfils um, beat Anderson. Kerber beat uh, Tom Lonovich. Uh, and then uh, we went for the horse. On good advice, we went for Floating Artist uh, to win race two at Caulfield. Well, it went to the front. Uh, wasn't able to hold on. At around about a buck fifty, it ended up in the market. We never found out why it couldn't hold on. They never tell us. Uh, so that one went uh, no good at all. Today, uh, let's uh, wind it up with uh, uh, World Cup qualifiers in football. Canada to beat Panama at $1.53. USA to beat uh, Costa Rica at $1.40. Uh, there's a game of cricket tonight between Bangladesh and Ireland. Bangladesh, uh, unless something dodgy goes on, will win at $1.28, I would think. Uh, and then Ostapenko uh, to beat Shelby Rogers. That's uh, women's tennis uh, at Indian Wells at $1.70 later this afternoon. $4.66 for that multi. Uh, yeah, so uh, that, that'll uh, be, uh, I think that's a good one. Uh, and, and later today when we're talking to Paul Mawati at the TAB, we have to give out into show bet uh, and that's going to be a golf one as well I've been working away at it behind the scenes so I'm looking forward to that uh, working behind the scenes uh, also uh, have uh, the uh, women's rugby franchises around the country and we're going to catch up with a new one one of their key players a signing from yesterday the all new SCNZ after the break. Kiwi for sport news time day or night summer or winter he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa this is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, it's been a very busy and productive time for women's rugby in this country. We've just had the Farah Palmer Cup final. The New South Island Super Rugby team, uh, Matatu, has been launched. And uh, the Black Ferns uh, depart today for their Tour of England and France. And with us now to talk about all these things is uh, Black Fern, Matatu and Canterbury midfielder, uh, Grace Brooker. Uh, good morning to you, Grace. Uh, bags all packed, are they? <laughs> good morning, Sally. Um Unfortunately not. Um, I'm very much the late packer, but um, yeah, we'll get into it today, Alicia. Uh, this your first trip to Europe? Yep, yep, first trip to Europe. So I've been to Perth and Fiji um, with rugby before, but this is my first big long-haul trip, um, so pretty exciting. It's been exciting uh, because it's been a long wait, hasn't it, for uh, the, the 15s versions uh, to get back on the park. And the challenge ahead uh, on this tour is, is quite a strong one because uh, they're getting more powerful as the days go by in, in that part of the world. Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah. 2019 was our last test. I think like, I'm, I'm, in fact, the last uh, test caps player in the team. So uh, it'll be pretty cool to get a few more out there and get that done. But, you know... Yes, totally right. France and England, they've um, had a lot more games than us. They're really uh, chasing down our down our necks. And, yeah, it should be a pretty tough game. They're pretty a solid side. Um, their size and their power and everything is second to none. So we're just going to have to outsmart them, I think. Tell us, uh, how did the training camps go? Um, because it was pretty well publicised, more on the basis that you couldn't play uh, in the, the last couple of rounds of the FPC. But... Uh, how was the, how was the get together and how how's the prep going? Yeah, so it's probably our best camp uh, yet. We had uh, from Sunday till Friday up in Tauranga, which was pretty amazing. You know, just five days straight of learning and lots and lots of rugby to get us just prepared. I feel like everyone's got the knowledge we need to um, go out and perform. Um, just it'll be good to get that warm up game done and dusted and get. Everyone really hissing for these big games. You started off uh, the the game at high school. What drew 
what drew it into into playing uh, women's rugby, Grace, from the outset? What what was the catalyst for that? Um, yeah, I started playing women's rugby when I was fourteen. So you can't even do that anymore. You have to be sixteen to be able to play women's rugby. Um, and I think it was just a drive, like with my friends. Uh, I had a lot of friends playing rugby, and um, me and my my good mate Rosie Kelly, who's another very successful rugby player. We both started off at high school old boys and we um I remember going there and they I said I was a flanker and they took one look at me and I was a lot skinnier and littler than I am now and they said, No, 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 you're on the wing so we spent that first year on the wing just um scoring the trays out wide or getting absolutely smashed. <laughs> <laughs> so um look uh, apart from that, Nat, you've you've become part of a, a really strong midfield in, in the Black Fern squad now. So I would imagine uh, the competition for places there is quite extensive. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, it's it's extremely strong, and with players like Stacey Fuller coming back um, out of sevens, you know, it's it's going to be a race to the finish. And I think every game and every opportunity is one that you have to take with both hands and really charge forward with it. Um, GM, our country always talks about, you know, hand up, not out. So I think that's something that everyone's going to have to do, you know, really earn their spot. Okay, so you weren't able to play in the Farah Palmer Cup. Uh, final, of course, Canterbury have such a rich tradition in winning it. Uh, how hard was it to watch? Oh, my goodness. I was, everyone else went and sat down. I had to stay on my feet. I was pacing up and down the sideline, um, losing my voice like screaming, trying to yell support and everything. I was I was a bit of a mess, I'm not going to lie. Um, we had our middle skills coach there, luckily, and she tried to calm me down a wee bit. But, um, yeah, it wasn't easy to watch. But, um, to be honest, it, it was made a little bit easier because of the players who were still on the field. You know, they didn't lose. I felt like that I wouldn't have done anything differently to how they played or what they did. Um, with Amy Dukasisi being into that centre position I could have thought of anyone better to you know rep that 13 jersey. Uh, what what about as a group I mean you know I was a bit I'll be honest with you I was a bit disappointed that um, you know so many of the top line players were, were withdrawn from both the teams uh, I, you know and I, I thought it was you know you need uh, women's rugby needs the exposure at, you know and it's getting a lot of television time etc and we need to see our best players in our local competitions for obvious reasons. So uh, as a unit, I mean, you can be honest here, how, how disappointing was it to miss out? Yeah, it was It was definitely disappointing. Um, you know, you worked so hard and we were everything was in plan to play every game, but then obviously the lockdown happened, so everything got pushed back. Um, but it, it was hard, but we, we had bigger things to fry, you know. We've got this tour to go away on and that's, as soon as the team got announced and we got told we wouldn't be playing, you know, it's just that switch of mindset. Um, not forgetting about Canterbury and still doing everything you can from the sideline to support the team, but, you know, we had just had to switch into Black Ferns mode. A lot of banter between the two t- uh, two teams, Waikato <laughs> and Canterbury girls, uh, before and after the Definitely. final. Was it was it willing, willing shall we say? Uh, yeah, all in good taste, all in good taste, but there was quite a bit of a, one of the uh, reserve hookers, uh, reserve props, sorry, she came up into camp and she was playing in the final, um, so she left us a day early and 
when she was leaving, we had like all the Waikato girls. Every, actually, pretty much everyone in the team was, you know, singing their song and dancing, and all of us Canterbury girls were just sitting there, pretty, pretty quiet, you know. You looked on at that post-match ceremony. Um, and obviously you, you weren't looking on it with very happy eyes, but um, it was something special, let's be honest, the, with the way they handled winning it and, and the little flavour they brought to it first time around, it was pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely, you know, like they deserve to win it in the end, um, and it's, you know, I go back to when we first won it, and that feeling is absolutely amazing, you can't, you can't even describe it, so to be able to relate to them in that way was pretty awesome, and... Um, yeah, it was just a massive congratulations to them because they really did deserve that, and I know they, um, you know, they train hard and they put their their hearts on the line when they play, which is all you can really ask for in that in that competition. Huge news also, and you're heavily involved in this. Uh, Grace is uh, that uh, Super Rugby or Picky has been launched, and uh, the South Island team Mata Two has also been launched. Uh, and you're one of the first five contracted players. So how exciting is this news for you? Oh my goodness, um, man! I've never, I've never been so excited to be a part of a team. To be honest, it's it's been a long time coming, and it's super, super exciting. Um, just the fact that you know girls are going to be able to play rugby professionally full time all year round is pretty, pretty revolutionary and something amazing to be a part of. Um, just the team itself and the passion and the the thought that's gone into the Matatu um, brand is um, really, really, really thought thoroughly through and like makes me have a lot of pride in the team. You know, having a local couple support and gift us that name is just amazing. I've never felt so much support from the community for a women's team, and I just I can't thank the people who are involved enough. Yeah, I, I imagine that when you were at school, even uh, toying with playing rugby and, and getting into it, you wouldn't have believed you could actually play it for a living, would you? No, no, not at all. Like, I grew up like thinking I was going to be an all-black because um, I didn't even know that there was an, a women's team. Um, so when I found out that the black fans existed, I always knew it was, like, it was a passion of mine and I was going to drive to get there, but... Man, I wouldn't have in a million years looked back and thought that at age 22 I was going to be a professional rugby player. Um, being able to play rugby all year round, being at Rugby Park or wherever, you know, 12 hours a day, just living, breathing rugby. It's pretty uh, pretty surreal, to be honest. And, and also, you just touched on it before. I've been reading about uh, where the name came from. Uh, for Matatua, I mean it, it's it's deeply spiritual and, and and it's very deep in its meaning around the South Island, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, the part that really sticks with me is you know just like you, you hold your head held high and you you face whatever's coming to you, you face every challenge that's coming to you because you know that's just what you have to do in rugby and especially in the women's game, you have a lot of adversity and a lot of challenges that aren't seen, but are very hard to take on, but if you take them on head first, you know, that you can get through it. Um, so it, it really resonates with uh, the culture of, of our team, of, of the players who are going to be playing in that team. So it's just, like, nailed it. They nailed it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I think they have in this, in this regard. Now, 
Uh, usually, uh, of course, um, when it, you, you talk about uh, Canterbury, rugby, etc., now uh, we're talking about Matatu, which encompasses the whole South Island. So uh, all of a sudden you may not just be Canterbury. There may be some input from uh, further south. Yeah, 100%. And it's, it's, I'm sure we'll take it on with willing arms, open arms. Um, you know, I think something that our Canterbury team, and I'm sure what the Matatu team will do well is just absorbing all the knowledge that we possibly can to be the best that we possibly can. So to get players from different regions is going to be pretty amazing. It's going to be um, it's going to be different, hopefully, to Canterbury because um, we can't we're not going to win um, Alpaki if we just come in with, into it with a Canterbury team. Um, it's another level up. It's another professional level. So we've really got to put our best foot forward and take on whoever we can and um, yeah, really drive to the top of that mountain. I guess, yeah, you know, I mean, you're the initial five, uh, but I, I would imagine uh, Canterbury being as strong will have a, a, a very strong input into uh, the Matatu side. But uh, as we see in the men's competition as well, um, players do come and go and get signed for other franchises. So uh, I guess there's a possibility you will be playing against many of your current teammates. Yeah, it's definitely a possibility. And um, it'll be hard to do, you know, we've never really had to do that before, but um, it's a cool challenge. Uh, it'll be definitely a mental challenge if we're playing against mates, but, um, you know, where, when it, wherever people go, it's for the best opportunity for them, so, you know, got to keep that in mind, um, and hopefully just everyone develops wherever they are. Well, Grace, all of a sudden your, your life's uh, starting to fill up with challenges. Of course, you've got uh, the initial <laughs> one now, uh, touring, to, touring to Great Britain. That's fantastic. Uh, and, and then, of course, you've got... Um, uh, old picky when it comes around, you'll still be involved in the Farah Palmer Cup, but uh, the immediate challenge you've got, by the sound of it, is to go and get your bags packed. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm actually just waiting outside the clinic to get my pre-flight COVID test, so to get that done and um, yeah, get onto it, I need a pl- plug adapter. There's so many things that you need to pack that you don't think about, um, so it's going to take us probably up the rest of the day. <laughs> We'll leave you to it, eh? Uh, hey, thanks, thanks for your, your time and, and the excitement and your voice about what ca- what's coming up is very apparent. Wish you all the best, eh? Travel well, stay safe. Cheers. Thank you so much, Millie. Okay, cheers. Grace Brooker, the delightful young lady whose uh, life is about to change. She's about to become a professional rugby player. And, uh, boy, uh, what, a, uh, what a great thing it is uh, for women's rugby, for women's sport in New Zealand, John, and uh, we'll be... Uh, keeping an, an eagle eye on uh, the other franchises with their team namings, etc. I would imagine most of them will follow the lead now with, with uh, a Maori background to their name and the, the spiritual side of their respective provinces. Do you see it that way? Yeah, well, yeah, I do, Smithy. It's, um, team names have really been in the spotlight in the last uh, 12 months or maybe more, and I think this is the way to go. I think, uh, you know, the Crusaders one uh, comes to mind, doesn't it? Even all white. So I think if you go and find that meaning, Find that spiritual meaning that everyone can buy into, everyone can be part of it. Like Grace Brooker, she's from Oxford, good country uh, girl, but she's brought into Matatu as the name and, and what it means. So to have that name given to them uh, will give them that mana. I think it gives it that extra spirit. And already uh, they talk about in sport where you create a culture, uh, getting the name right I think is very important. So that's cool. She's cool. 22-year-old Smithy going to Europe for the first time. So pretty exciting. Well, I remember um, going back, uh, the first time I went um, to uh, to Europe was as a tourist, uh, a New Zealand cricket team tourist, and it really is, uh, it's a great way to go, because of course you, you don't have to worry about accommodation, and travel's all sorted for you, and 
uh, you get a chance to, uh, not to worry about uh, where you're going to stay tomorrow night, etc. It's just it's just a wonderful way in a team sport, a team environment to enjoy it all uh, together. But there's still so much to see over there, and, and of course. Uh, Europe uh, and uh, England in particular and Europe have freed up a lot uh, there was a lot of doubt about this tour ever taking place wasn't there um, but now it's come to fruition and the fact that they're zipping up their suitcases getting their last COVID test uh, I would imagine has uh, added to the excitement because there would have always on a daily basis been a nervous sort of um, waiting for the phone call to say it's off it's off because so many things are these days so uh, good luck to them there'll be a real buzz when they all get together I'm sure and uh, you know, we've been a little bit critical, John, haven't we? Um, uh, me in particular, about the fact that uh, they were withdrawn from uh, the Farah Palmer Cup. I think it's a great shame, absolute great shame. But sounds like it was unavoidable. Uh, and yeah. the proximity, the proximity of the last camp uh, to the day that they actually leave was was obviously too close. But again, I'm sure they would have been itching to be out there. Uh, we got a panel coming up very shortly. We're going to perhaps talk to them about team names. Uh, what do they see uh, about it? Uh, a couple of very, very experienced journos. Top of the ladder, Mark Hinton and Dylan Cleaver with us shortly. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Two very experienced gentlemen join us this morning. Uh, Mark Hinton from Stuff, senior writer, of course, uh, broken so many great stories over the years and a lot of codes. And Dylan Cleaver, whose exciting new uh, program uh, or a, a prospect that he's got going now is called a newsletter called The Bounce, which has uh, taken off very quickly and uh, will include uh, a lot of very interesting sporting issues. Uh, Dylan, I'll start with you. Um, Perhaps we should start, uh, just put to bed this promotion relegation thing that Neil Barnes, uh, with his comments, uh, raised a few eyebrows with. What, what is your take on it? Uh, well, I'm from I'm a good man of the Taranaki, actually. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's a really difficult situation, isn't it? Um, I, I think the sensible thing is, obviously, you can't have relegation. The integrity of the competition has been too compromised this year. But there's no reason you can't have an eight and six split next year and have two go down next season and one go up. And for me, that's the easiest compromise to make because, yeah, I mean, it's just a shame that essentially the championship means nothing otherwise this year if there's no promotion. Uh, Mark, your take on it? Do you, you uh, concur with that? Yeah, well, I, I have sympathies for, for Barnsley. Um, clearly, his team's going real well and would be you know, on to be promoted and, you know, as hard as you work to get into that top division, I, I understand his fr- frustration, Smithy, but listen, if you want to start whinging about your lot in life because of COVID, get in line. Get in line and it's a long line. There's a lot of people across a lot of areas of life who have been, who have been you know, put out, compromised, and flat out had their whole existence, you know, put under question because of COVID. Uh, and this is a COVID thing. Let's make no no mistake about that. So, I, I, I you know, I, I understand his frustration and I empathise with him in that area. But it's, these are COVID times. You're just going to have to wear it, mate, because, you know, as, as Dylan said, you can't have an uneven playing field and, and some teams are just not even playing outside the first few rounds. It, it, all bets are off. These are COVID times. These are unusual times, and there are victims, and his team's one of them. 
Mark, yesterday was uh, confirmed that uh, the Dolphins will be the 17th franchise, the 17th uh, team in the NRL. Uh, we had uh, this morning on uh, Andrew Chalmers, who uh, is the CEO or managing director of uh, Wellington Orcas Limited. Um, he's very, very keen and very positive to continue his crusade. He started back in 91. Chances of New Zealand sustaining two NRL teams at the moment? Well, we can't sustain one, so um, I'm not sure we should be shooting for two at the moment. Look, let's get the one we've got right first and then worry about it. Look, this has been a long-running affair, hasn't it? The, the, the Wellington team in the NRL has been around for a long time and there's a reason it hasn't got across the line. It doesn't stack up from the Aussie side of the coin. I don't think a second New Zealand team brings enough to the table to demand inclusion. And look, this, you know, the, when the Warriors are making the playoffs every year, when they're knocking on the door of the grand final on a consistent basis, then let's look and say, let's get a second New Zealand team in there. But until then, let's fix the Warriors first, would be my thought. Dylan, um, I'm sort of in that camp as well because, you know, we keep saying this is the year, this is the year, but can we say it twice that often? Yeah, look, I, I might swing against the tide on this one a bit. I'd actually love to see it because, for one, I think we have the raw talent in New Zealand. I mean, there's New Zealanders propping up all 16 NRL franchises and probably doing it better than 15 than they are at, at the one that matters the most for New Zealanders. And I also think that having a second New Zealand team might actually crystallise uh, the Warriors into representing who they should be representing, which I believe personally, it's the city of Auckland. For me, they've always been the Auckland Warriors. Auckland, and in particular, South and West Auckland, is rugby league heartland, and that's where that franchise should be um, investing all its energy, making sure they get the cream of the crop that comes out of that uh, area, which is just rich in rugby league talent. So I actually think having a second New Zealand NRL team might be the best thing that happened, not not just for league in this country, but also for the Auckland Warriors. What they do have to do, which Mark very um, clearly pointed out, though, was it has to have a commercial and a financial case. And I, I suspect that there will be a little bit of hesitancy on the Australians' part as to whether a team based in Wellington can offer what, say, a, another team in Queensland could offer or potentially even a, a team in Perth or South Australia. See, see Dylan, I, I can see your point of view, um, but I can also, after an initial burst, unless they're super successful initially, a lot of empty yellow seats at Sky Stadium in Wellington, as per uh, the Phoenix. And that's what worries me uh, about it. And I, I think that's probably the most concerning factor overall, the, you know, the, the depth and sustainability of the support. Yeah, I mean, it's true, but there's also a lot of suburban uh, Sydney league teams that struggle to get kind of crowds of, of more than 15,000. And I wonder, and this is probably a long way down the track, whether you get a boutique league stadium in, in the north of Wellington and in Porirua, where I think that uh, most people would agree that Porirua and Hutt Valley is where that league heartland is. You get a boutique league stadium if that's sort of got a capacity around 15,000 to 20,000 and you move the league out of Westpac Stadium, which, yeah, look, I totally agree. It's so disheartening watching in cricket one-day internationals there where it's just a, a sea of yellow. I agree. 
uh, and and it, it's not just uh, cricket, it's rugby, it's across the board. So uh, I think that's a problem. We're, we're going to go uh, to the news, gentlemen, and then when we come back, uh, I'd, I'd really love to get your thoughts on uh, Mata 2, which was uh, released yesterday officially. We now have women's professional rugby players. Uh, I guess we're looking at a bit of sustainability there. Uh, and the spiritual nature of the names and sporting team names in in particular, uh, are they going to change from here on in? Uh, good uh, topics to debate after the news. Here's Trudy. Opinions, the panel. Mark Hinton, Dylan Cleaver with us this morning on the panel. Mark, uh, yesterday the uh, confirmation of uh, Super Rugby or Picky. Uh, with the, the naming of the first franchise officially, uh, Mata 2, down in Christchurch. Uh, what did you make of that? Five uh, professional women's players. Uh, so it's gaining a, a lot of strength and credibility very quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Look, um, I love the name. Mata 2 means standing tall, basically. Standing tall and strong. And I'm sure they'll do that, the South Island representative in this competition, and, and embracing a bit of today old Maori. So... Fantastic. I mean, it's not going to have a lot of residents around the world, is it, the name? But it means a lot in New Zealand, and that's the main thing. Um, so I love the name. I love the embracing of the culture. And I love the competition, and it's long overdue, not before time. Thank goodness it's finally up and running that our women have some sort of seat at the professional rugby table in terms of franchise rugby. So really looking forward to seeing how this competition you know, unfolds and and provides another level of rugby, you know, for our fantastic uh, Black Ferns players coming up through the ranks. So everything they're doing about it, Smithy, sounds right. But to be fair, they have had a long time to get this right. This has been a fair while in the brewing, um, this whole competition. So um, signs so far are good. Let's hope they continue down this pathway. So uh, let's look at um, Mata 2, and as uh, Mark pointed out, uh, Dylan, uh, you know it's it's got a lot of uh, a lot of uh, Maori culture um, and uh, history about it. The naming of that. Can we expect then uh, going forward that uh, all the franchises will fall into line in this way? I mean, are gone the days of blue, red, green, uh, you know that kind of thing. Yeah, well, I kind of hope so, actually. And although it doesn't make for a great debate, I find it very hard to disagree with a single word that that Mark just said. Actually, I think it's fantastic. I love the name. When I think about New Zealand and I think about some of the things unique to New Zealand, uh, one is our um, devotion to rugby, uh, which is second to none, and it's also our Māori culture and language. And combining the two is just an absolute no-brainer for me. Um, yeah, I love it. I love the spirituality aspects of it. I just think it, it's a terrific um, initiative. And look, um, I'm of a certain generation where I, I probably missed a lot of the education around uh, Maori culture and language and, and I must admit I'm, I get really jealous when my kids come home and they can easily speak sentences in Maori and, and I, you know, there's a bit of regret there that it, it came a bit late for me so I love it um, I hope more New Zealand teams adopt this and yeah, I, I cannot see a negative there So uh from your point of view, uh, Mark, uh, I mean, we had this review, didn't we? We had this big chat about um, the, the de derivation of names and, and what they actually meant uh, in terms of society these days. And uh, I think the Crusaders was one they really did take a close look at, wasn't it? So, yeah. I mean, is this a, a women taking a lead here? Absolutely. Look, there's a big 
this is ongoing. The Exeter Chiefs uh, rugby team in the UK is embroiled in a bit of controversy around uh, the wearing of the you know the uh, American Indian uh, headgear um, as, as a symbol of their team. Uh, you know that's taking centre stage at the moment in the UK. We've of course had a lot going on with the names in, in US sport. Foremost among them, the Washington Redskins, who no longer exist. They're now the Washington Football Team. I, I think it's gone from the ridiculous to the sublime or whatever, whereby giving it such a bland name, but maybe they're trying to make a point. Anyway, um, I guess uh, the point, Smithy, is gone are the days of, of, of you know, cultural appropriation and, and, and borderline you know, racism in the naming of our teams. Let's have a we think about this. Let's have a we think about what names mean. What names stand for? Good on the woman for getting this right. They're underway in good style. Uh, Mark, uh, can I just ask you, um, with your finger on the pulse up there, uh, about um, the rugby, the, uh, the the three NPC teams in Auckland. Is there any teeth to um, any competition or any any latest news about whether that's going to actually come up, come about? Well, these, these guys are desperate to get some rugby, aren't they? You know, I, uh, uh, there's one or two uh, young rugby players that you know might be hopeful of. of Things fell their way of getting a call up for Ian Foster's tour. If some injuries happen, they can't even get on on a rugby field and hit, you know, make a tackle or even hit a, ta- a tackle bag at the moment. The way the the uh, regulations are in Auckland, so a very frustrating time. They're desperate for rugby. They will um, play if at all possible. But mate, with those numbers that come out at 1 p.m. each day, it's hard to see how they get on the field this year. Um, um, another one, you know, talking about Neil Barnes grumbling, another sort of lost opportunity for a, a bunch of our professional rugby players and that they're going to be behind the eight ball when they hit, hit the ground, hopefully, in, in summertime, not having played any rugby at all for, for months on end. So um, tough times, but, you know, bigger picture stuff, isn't it? Uh, COVID rules all at the moment. It tends to. Uh, it did rule the IPL, Dylan, for a little while. They had to stop it halfway through. They've resumed it, and uh, all of a sudden, uh, McCullum's Kolkata Knight Riders have made a hell of a turnaround. Uh, and now, after this morning's very close win in the end, they have got to the point where they are in the final against Stephen Fleming's uh, Chennai Super King. This is amazing. Uh, two New Zealand coaches, two great mates, ending up uh, in the grand final, coaching teams uh, on the biggest stage of all. Yeah, isn't it? There's, a, there's quite a lot to unpack there, actually. For a start, you're right, it's the kind of master versus the apprentice. Um, Flynn used to be um, Brendan's manager. and In fact, I kind of credit Flynn for dragging Brendan out of what I would call his um, entitled years, where perhaps it, it didn't look like he was going to fulfil that massive potential that he had, and, and yet he ended up becoming one of the more influential people in New Zealand's career history. Uh, look, KKR were awful at the start of the tournament, and there was a lot of uh, pressure on Brendan. He'd made Owen Morgan captain, a head of a very popular local guy in Dinesh Karthik, and incidentally this year, Owen Morgan has probably been demonstrably the worst player in the IPL, with about averaging about 11 at a strike rate under 100. So it's, it's almost undefendable, except for the fact that made the final, and last night's game was just incredible. KKR were one for one, two, three, chasing one, three, six, with four overs to go. And then the meat of their order, which is Karthik, Morgan, Shakib and Nareen, went third ball duck, third ball duck, second ball duck, first ball duck. And they ended up needing a six 
up the penultimate ball off Ravi Ashwin to get through. So just a, it's an extraordinary tournament for them, and yeah, I can't wait. Well, the thing about it is that Stephen Fleming's been there, done that, um, uh, for Brennan McCallum. Uh, the thing about Brennan, for me, though, uh, Don, is that nothing seems to phase him. Uh, this is just another challenge. This is another, another bit of excitement. Uh, 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 he's, uh, he's quite damn incredible in that regard, I, I've got to say. He's, it's, uh, and he's got a, uh, uh, along with Morgan, of course, who's obviously a very good on-the-field leader, that, that seems to be their strength, Dylan, to me, is leadership. Yeah, and they have a very... Um set philosophy, which they're going to stick to come hell or high water. And it didn't work at the start, and I think it took quite a while for the younger Indian players in particular to buy into it. But once they have, they've been exceptional. And, yeah, you're right, Stephen Fleming has been there, he's done that, and Chennai are a very experienced team with um, talk about leadership. So you've got MS Dhoni pulling the strings there. So, yeah, they're classic cultures in some ways, but... um, yeah, I can't wait. I think it's going to be a cracking final. Saturday morning, New Zealand time, and then uh, they'll make their way home if they can, get to uh, some MIQ spots. That'll be interesting as well. Uh, gentlemen, thank you very much. Uh, Mark Hinton this morning. Uh, Dylan Cleaver have been the panel. Insightful too on uh, a number of issues there. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we'll have another one uh, tomorrow morning at the same time, 10.41 here on SENZ. He's the voice of sport in New Zealand. <laughs> Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. number of texts uh, have come in. They continue to come in on the uh, second NRL franchise within New Zealand. Uh, Smithy, on a second NRL team, no from me. We don't have depth at NRL standard. Warriors have always had to pay overs to get players here. Uh, when the Warriors finally win a title, then maybe I say yes. That's from Paul. Paddy says, hey, Smithy, I, I think an astute businessman would look at Christchurch being the best place to launch a bid for a second team, utilising and leveraging of the successful Crusaders. Imagine getting a Hamish Reak or someone of that nature to be your general manager. You have an elite-level rugby players here, so why not get some Aussies coming over? We have the best stadium in the country. Uh, we will have when that's built. I um, hope that gets underway shortly. And we have a passionate league following here around the region. Yes, a lot of people forget that. That can be very strong in league. Uh, here's a text uh, that has come in to say, Kia uh, do you have a recording of the interview with Shauna Polly, the New Zealand Beach volleyball player? Well, yes, we do. Uh, the Izzy and Louie interview, it's on the podcast on our SENZ app. Uh, another one here uh, just saying, hey, Smitty, as coaches, what do you think would be, who would win the mental game? What do you think would be between Baz and Flem? Uh, like the Bennett-Cleary situation we had before the grand final? Uh, I think that uh, they're better mates than Bennett and Cleary, uh, to be honest. So there'll be... Um, it'll be all go on the day but there'll be a lot of banter already a lot of texting if they're in separate bubbles and so the, it will have started the final will have started in, in their eyes uh, there'll be a lot of strategising about it of course uh, MS Dhoni two great on-field leaders two great on-field leaders I will say in this competition final MS Dhoni absolutely outstanding legendary in that respect people will just crawl over broken glass for him and we saw the influence uh, didn't we have Owen Morgan in the England's World Cup bid last time around? And, and he obviously is one of the reasons, even though his form is poor, uh, as pointed out by Dylan Cleaver, absolutely poor. Uh, he probably wouldn't make it on numbers. He'll make it on leadership and on the basis that in a one-off situation, he can handle pressure. Uh, so uh, I, I see it being a fairly even battle mentally. Baz has been there as a player. Flem didn't quite make it as a, a player, but he's won this comp before. 
he's synonymous with it and his relationship with Chennai is, is undoubted uh, and it looks like Baz is, uh, will be cemented uh, even though he, he works for us and he, he loves the gig working here on SENZ uh, I would imagine uh, he's going to find it pretty hard to turn down the next offer from the KKR uh, because it'll be very very substantial indeed so uh, there are the interesting uh, texts coming through this morning oh, hi, hi Smithy good to see Tauranga hosting this Saturday the 205 game between Waikato and Taranaki well done to Tauranga uh, that's from Michael in Wellington. Love your input, Michael. So uh, a lot of uh, a lot of passion too about the second NRL side. You do have opinions. I didn't think you would initially. The Warriors struggle to get uh, good Aussie talent because of the weather and the climate there. Wellington has no bloody chance with the weather they get there. Uh, that's Carl. Uh, the 17th team gives a comp a buy a week uh, buy a week. For player recovery, the 18th team could also be in the Brisbane region, the Jets or the Firehawks. Uh, 20 uh, is the target. 20 teams is the target, so another team from New Zealand and then Perth would be maximising it. And uh, there was also uh, a very interesting one that uh, came in uh, from Jared. Uh, I think it's realistic with the Orca's great name too. Honestly, why can we see uh, by 2028 the Warriors a championship team? Probably no. So great idea. Uh, time to look south. There you go. Uh, look, uh, it's uh, uh, still m- more to read too, but we're running out of time. We've got to get to Louis uh, and Pip Morris before the 11 o'clock news. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. Well, Louis Herman, what it started at Caulfield with one, number one in, of race one in the book, Rhinoceros. It was very good performance there and went downhill for me after that. And there was some crap riding. Terrible rides yesterday. Smithy, you, I can tell you to da- bad down the punt because your sermon, I, I'm not going to say you're out of line because I never would, but you're, you are screaming like an angry, sad, broken punter today, mate. I mean, the rides were... The rides were some of them were questionable, but I could give you books and books of days where there's been worse writing. Brett Preble's one. He was kind of on Zuzarella. He was kind of, his hand was kind of forced by the outside speed, don't you think? And I reckon over the first 400 metres, that race was over. But um, like, I think there's worse days riding out there. How much did you really, you go. Did you really you get go. beat up? Just the, jump on the bandwagon. Jump on the bandwagon. Protect the protect. Don't worry about the punter, mate. Don't worry about the punter. Are you not part of Boys Get Paid? Are you not? <laughs> mate, I am punter first, but I just think there are d- worse days. I was just, I wasn't expecting that to be your sermon. Here we go. Just to prove I've still got one for the real guys out here. You want to know, you want to know something that's bordering on disgraceful? What? The Group 1 field at Livermore Classic today. At the Livermore Classic. <laughs> to my eye, yep. and correct me if I'm wrong, double eight, double three. to my eye, there is not a single Group 1 winner lining up. When was the last time, Smith, here's mm. one for you, when was the last time a Hawks Bay Triple Crown Group 1 race didn't have a Group 1 winner lining up in the starting gates? I just, I can't... Louis, I asked... Louis, I asked the questions in this segment. Please, you just provide the answers from time to time. Go away and think about that, will you? I'd rather go to the TAB now, across to the TAB, and talk to the lovely uh, Pip Morris, uh, who, of course, is very, very knowledgeable and passionate about the Greyhounds. And I did listen to Pip yesterday, and she did come up with a couple of winners, and I cashed in, so I'm very happy about that. Pip, good morning to you. Welcome to the show. Um, It's uh, a busy Thursday, as always. 
Good morning to you too, Smithy. And yeah, it certainly is. And a big day again today. 15 race cards from Cambridge. Dual code as well. Of course, they've got the harness a little later on and they'll have that terminating pick slicks kicking off uh, in race four. So looking forward to that. Okay. Uh, well, we can tell you uh, as part of the Thursday program, we have to nominate uh, one for the, the, the big show competition between the, the, the various shows. Uh, we're going today uh, for the PGA uh, Golf, the CJ Cup, Top five finish with Dustin Johnson at three dollars seventy-five. That that is our, our representation for this week uh, in that competition. Uh, what about uh, uh, the Greyhounds in particular? Uh, got a busy time of it coming up. Yeah, we certainly do. Of course, New Zealand Cup not too far away either in November. So, look, hoping these COVID levels will drop down and all the trainers can make their way down from all the areas. But look, that's the main thing to look forward to. I think uh, coming up on the calendar, of course, a couple of Group Ones just interrupted with those uh, tracks coming out at the moment maybe but yeah lots to look forward to in spring not only of course in the thoroughbreds but yeah those greyhounds as well you, you see i look at the fields and uh, sometimes they're so dominated by uh, one particular trainer in the regions um so yeah i find that i find that quite interesting and so some of them make massive contributions to, to the to the sustainability of the sport Oh, they certainly do, yeah. Trainers like uh, John McInerney, for instance, right down south, and then, of course, in the central districts, well, you've got uh, Lisa Cole dominating, and, and quite often, if she does take teams away, either down south or up north, well, uh, the fields still dwindle around, so, yeah, we really do need those big trainers to help pop up the numbers, but you still need the small ones as well. Hey, Pip, thank you very much for your input this morning, and don't forget to, uh, to log in Dustin Johnson for us in the comp uh, for this week's Big show bet, $3.75 for a top five finish at the CJ Cup. Pip Morris there from the TAB. You'll see her often too on trackside, top operator. Uh, after the news, after the news at 11 o'clock, we shall be talking to Frank Van Hattam, all-white legend Frank Van Hattam, of course, goalkeeper uh, on the current squad. Well, Frank Van Haddam joins us now, of course, former uh, legendary all-white, of course, uh, great, one of our great goalkeepers, and uh, incidentally also uh, ex-New Zealand football chairman. So uh, great man to talk to across the board on a number of issues this morning. Frank, very much, uh, very appreciative of, of you joining us this morning. Uh, Frank, it's, it's a good time all of a sudden. After 700 days of not being able to play, they string a couple of terrific performances together uh, overseas. Uh, what did you make of those performances? I think you undersell yourself. It's a great time. It was, it was such a pleasure to watch the New Zealand team totally comfortable on the ball, committed to attack, um, you know, and, and so many new players just gelling instantly. And uh, I think it, it's a, it augurs well for the future. So let's uh, break the, the two games down. First of all, I mean, this is a side that Danny Hayes had to drag from, what, 16 or 17 divisions of football around the world. Uh, were you surprised at how, how quickly they seemed to mesh and come together? No, I'm not, because the, if you look at the, uh, in Tokyo, he had 11 or 12 of those guys there. He's, um, in that last tour, he's had a look at a few of them. He knows quite a few from his uh, early days in coaching, particularly in Sacred Heart. So um, I think the, in professional footballers, you'd know in any professional sport, you know, the, these guys are, you know, a lot better prepared than the amateur days. So, you know, they're easy to come in, they're well-trained, they're well, you know, they're, they're physically fit. So it's just a matter of um, and coming together and, and getting the personnel right. Danny's been working a lot on culture since he took the job. And like you say, there's been a lot of chat, a lot of, uh, 
a lot of work done behind the scenes. And to bring in all those what are strange names to a lot of New Zealanders is, is just all the hard work that's been done um, and all these players have been on the radar. And, and that the great thing is there's just still a hell of a lot more that weren't involved. You know, this is the unfortunate thing about COVID. You know, none of the uh, New Zealand or Australian uh, boys are involved. But there's still three or four uh, top um, prospects in and around um, European leagues. You know, Winston, um, um, Ryan, um, you know, the number of guys that have still got to come in. So he's, got, he's spoiled for choice. And so, you know, this is why it's, it's really, really a great opportunity for New Zealand going forward. Well, as, as always, uh, Frank, when you, you bring squads together, you like to encourage youth because it's part of your development, part of your future, obviously. Uh, what did you make of, of uh, the, the youthful side of, of this, these two performances, the likes of Nico, Kerwin and co? Well, it's just not Nico. It's, a, it's a, all the young guys that came in, Jamness, you know, Stamnick, you know, the, uh, your couch is carrying on where he left off, you know. I think what it is is these guys are coming through life now. You know, and you think about it, it's 10 years since uh, South Africa, or 11 years now. So these, a lot of these young kids were just you know, going through some of the programs and, um, and have been really living and breathing football for 10, 15 years now and still young. And so they're, you know, they are exciting and so it's not a shock. They're very confident and that's the key. And you know, they, they come in, you know, there's no nerves and they've had some wonderful experiences. So, um, you know, this is, this, is, this is why it's, it's really, really positive going forward. He's got spoilt for choice, and there's going to be some really disappointed um, boys going forward who don't make the side that are good enough to have made part, you know, walked into past New Zealand sides. I mean, take the goalkeeping stocks. There's something like five or six mm. goalkeepers that any one of them could be in, in, in the top four. And, um, you know, it's, you know, Ollie Sales you know, not, not there at the moment. There's a, a couple of others running around and playing the trade. So being spoiled for choice is the best best way that any coach can uh, prepare a side. So when someone key gets injured, does it really matter? And you know someone steps in. You know? And the good thing is, is you know some of these players have had knocks, have bounced back. You know, take Michael Wood, the goalkeeper. You know, he had a horror night in um, mm. in Tokyo, and and Danny stuck with him. And then um, and the next day or the next game, you know, he was a star. And again, he was in this game, did some good stuff. Take Nico, you know, got a little bit of criticism because he must have hit it near the end that uh, led to a goal. Um, and then he comes on and then he's got faith in him and Nico's got faith in himself. And you know, that's the really cool thing about it. You know, these guys, they bounce back very quickly. Okay, on, on the, on the, by the sounds of it, you're, you're very, very uh, positive about this whole deal. Now, um, obviously, the, the, the first thing, or the, the first thing on the agenda is to qualify for the next World Cup. We've done it twice. Uh, of course, uh, you've been part of that. And then again in 2010. Uh, do we have uh, the strength in this squad to qualify for the World Cup looking at the pathway ahead? Uh, well, up until recently, I haven't been very confident about New Zealand performances the last you know, four or five, six years, and like the last two, we haven't, haven't seen them. Um, so I'm really excited because of the depth of talent. The other thing, and perversely because of COVID, I think it's an advantage because the qualifiers against the island teams, I understand, is going to be held in the Middle East. Not all the island teams will go. Because one of the issues we've got, and most of your players in Europe, they've all got contracts and they're all professionals. They have to be released, but it's a damn big ask to fly you know, right around the world and then get back within the window and then get, um, get a game again on the weekend for your club. And in the past, a lot of players have done that and have lost their positions. This, you know, right now they've all got positions and playing in first team footballers or on, you know, coming off the bench. With with them going into 
playing in the Middle East and, and basically having an overseas squad. Uh, what what happens is that you've got a lot of availability of players and they're not going to be um, you know travel fatigue and Danny's pretty much going to have to base himself over there. Um, the sad part is, is a couple of the New Zealand and Australian boys may not may not get over. They still have all these restrictions. But what will happen is that they they will get more games in the windows and they really talk of you know Danny's still over there with his team or coaching team. So they'll be um, they'll be getting ready for the next window next month. Whereas if it was in New Zealand, the sheer cost of doing that, dragging all these players back, would have been a barrier. The mere fact that we've got more games playing in every window and uh, there's a tournament um, looming for the qualification, then um, then we've got every chance. And we shouldn't underestimate just how tough it is to go to the islands. And we're not going to have to do not at the moment, not have to go to the islands to play. And last time, you know, go back well, 20 years ago. Uh, we lost to Vanuatu, and uh, we didn't qualify for a World Cup because a number of players made themselves unavailable for, for legitimate reasons at the time. But we didn't take our top team and got caught out. So you know, all the players will be available. Not only that, all of the players plus a whole lot more are available. So he he won't be wanting for talent, and um, and he will have some pre games ready to go and and qualify. And then it'll come down to that um, that qualifier. We don't know who that's um, going to be. Um, but we've proven in the past that uh, we quite like those one-off games and, um, or, you know, those home and away games and, yeah. uh, and another huge night ahead for New Zealand football to qualify. So at this stage, uh, Frank, just looking at that, uh, the possibilities, say we did qualify top, uh, the way I read it at the moment, it's, uh, it's either the fourth place team from the North or Central America or Caribbean uh, zone, the fifth team from Asia yep. or the fifth team from South America uh, what would be, uh, if you look at that, is there a preference there for us? Is there a, is a slightly easier pathway through from those those three ways? Uh, the, answer, the answer to the question, you always think there probably is an easier way, but they're not. You know, when you say the fifth team in, um, in um, you know, say South America, you say, oh, gosh, it's, you know, it's Peru. But, you know, they're the fifth team for a reason. You know, <laughs> they're not the top four. They're not the Brazil, Argentina and whatnot. So... So I think at the end of the day, those one-off games, is, 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 it doesn't particularly matter. Um, you know, you'd probably say Asia, um, but even in, in the, um, the um, CONCACAF, you know, it might be Canada or it might be, you know, someone like that. They're all teams who have, who have come up before in the past, so none of that's a surprise anymore. Um, I, I, I've actually got in the habit of saying it doesn't matter who we play as long as we're playing. And, um, and you know, there'll be a huge game no matter who they are. And... Uh, and you know we've we've done it before, and I'm 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 very hopeful and confident that we could do it again. Chris Wood could has be been Australia, absolutely you know. amazing. It could be Australia. Yeah, it could be Australia. That, that yeah. would be cool. Um, Chris Wood is Chris Wood has been great, hasn't he? Uh, and he's been availably great. It, it's the other thing about it. Uh, he seems to turn up for us on, on a regular basis. But are we too reliant on him? What what about our um, strike force behind him? Uh, that's a very good question. I mean, Chris, Chris Wood is a genuine superstar and he's probably not recognised as well as he could be by the New Zealand sporting public. But, man, he's an athlete. He performs on, you know, at the top league in, in, in EPL. People should recognise just how tough that is. And he scores goals. And like I say, for New Zealand, he's a rock and, he, and he's, you know, he's confident he turns up. I think the one positive... Like, and and let's, let's be fair here. Bahrain were, were quite frankly, crap. Um, but you still got to, you know, and, and were they crap because they would just put a brand new team out or did we actually stifle them and actually um, make them work and, and, and show them up? Um, but if you look at the stats, um, 
and that quite a number of the shots in the, in that game came from all the other boys around that. You know, Staminak and Chen have had a couple of great chances. Uh, you know, Coward had a couple. So there's a lots of people in and around prepared to have a go, um, which is something you know that you can say, hey, I'm pretty positive that there's enough talent coming through. Yes, we'd want uh, Woodsy up front because he's an absolute great target man, works well off the ball and, and knows when to turn up in the, in the right places. But it was really good to see, you know, people getting forward, getting crosses and getting shots in, and it wasn't always necessarily Woodsy that got it. Frank, uh, can we just put your other hat on? Uh, you were chairman of New Zealand football for quite some time, and often there's criticism from those outside of football to say, why can't the All-Whites play more often? I mean, we see this, we get all excited about it, and then there seems to be a lull before the next one. I know it's difficult at the moment because of COVID, etc., to, to organise the logistics around all these things, but in the past, when, when you were heavily involved as the chairman, just how difficult is it to find windows and quality opposition? Uh, well, the history over the last 30 years is in, <clears throat> and longer is that... Uh, it's damn difficult. One, there's a financial impediment. And, and people don't realise a lot of other teams don't want to come. You know, it's all right saying, oh, you know, why don't they come? You know, why doesn't England come? Well, quite frankly, because you get a window in FIFA where you have to turn up, but it's a week, you know. So you two days flying over, two days flying back for one game. No one wants to put their team through that. So then you're left with playing, you know, sort of lesser opposition. The crowd doesn't turn up. It's a big cost to bring everyone back. Um, you know, you've got to get him, you know, as I said before, you know, taking Woods, Woodsy. You're taking him away from his club for more than the week. So he's got to miss a club game to, and no fault of his own. It's just the timing. So it's really difficult. And I think that's one of the, um, the consequences of, you know, our position in, in the world or where we are is um, we have to accept that we don't get to see this top New Zealand play. Um, and, and, and football's funny. They don't want to, you know, the crowd typically doesn't come out for friendly. You know, there's no, you know, they want to see the real stuff. There's got to be something on it. So when there's something on it, like a qualification, you know, we'll pack out the stadium and, and own football in the airwaves for that, that time. But when, and a good example, after the World Cup in, um, in South Africa, and we brought Honduras and um, Paraguay over and, um, and we couldn't get a crowd. We got 10,000, you know, so the crowd... You know, there was nothing on the game, and so people don't come and see it. So, like I said before, the um, the fact that we're going to be playing a lot of our, our stuff in Europe, the team will be playing more, so at least we'll get to watch them on TV, and there's some um, good coverage of both games, it's good coverage on the media. We're going to have to just accept that, and that when they do infrequently come out, and it's probably not for another, you know, till next year for maybe, I think, June, July, when the playoff might be, um, and that's the only time we might see them in, in New Zealand in the, in the foreseeable future. It's just something we have to accept. Frank, uh, the All Whites were in the news uh, not too long ago. Uh, we had Winton Roofer on the show uh, about uh, the possibility of the renaming. Uh, that got a few uh, people quite excited about the deal. What were your thoughts on that? <laughs> I, I just you know, look at it being used and it's got nothing to do with race and all those other connotations. And I know some people might try and get upset about it, but where do you draw the line? You know, the tall blacks, and, you know, do, do we actually have to rename them? Then, you know, they can't be that because, you know, short people have been disadvantaged. So it's really, it's it's <laughs> just, it's a title for a team, you know. It's no different than the all blacks, uh, the all whites, you know, the silver suit. You know, there's all of this sort of stuff. And I think it was just, um, it comes up every few years and some do good it wants to do it. I just said to the um, <laughs> the 
of New Zealand football is a joke. I said, well, good luck with that. And, um, I'm sure he doesn't want to particularly do it. But it's a brand. Right? We've seen the brand many times. I mean, you know, your lad played. He was proud to play for the All Whites. You know, it's it's become a brand. Um, and, and and history says you you temper with brands and, and act of peril. So it will be whatever it will be. Um, you know, you wonder how they will change the name. Um, you know, people will still call it the All Whites. Doesn't matter whether they wear all black or whatever suit they wear. It's just a moniker that's stuck. It's an easy thing to associate with it gives them differentiation so uh, you know i'm quite clearly i'd love the all whites to stay here we were part of it when it was coined and um, it just took off and you know you're an all white you know but you know what an all white is now and uh, you know you're part of the you know a sporting um movement in new zealand that's um you know really excited new zealand public from time to time and uh, change the name at your peril i say Good on you, Frank. Uh, Frank Van Haddam there, folks. Uh, thanks so much for your time, your, your input on a, a number of issues around the all-whites, uh, and long may they stay that, as you say. Uh, thanks for your time this morning. Jesus, Marie, and good luck with the radio station. I'm loving it. Cheers, mate. Yeah, che- cheers. Uh, appreciate your support, Frank. We really do. Uh, and uh, all of you people, actually, that are, are listening and texting in, uh, which remind us uh, our number is uh, double three. We're still uh, pretty hot. Uh, oh, any issues that... Uh, well, what you've just heard from uh, Frank Van Haddam, um, of course, legendary all-white, uh, and we're keen to keep it that way. Uh, we've been through that debate, I think, and uh, we've put that one to bed. But uh, there are a number of things about uh, New Zealand football that seem good and on the right path. So if you've got some thought about that, uh, still on the uh, NRL teams, if you like, a couple of cricket issues as well. Uh, we've got a few to read out. Uh, that's shortly here on SENZ. Largest city in the country, we don't get tests. What about uh, Victoria Park developing that? Would be a great test venue with grass banks and a pavilion in the heart of the city. There was talk about it a few years ago, but uh, it seems to have all gone quiet. Now, it's an interesting question because my understanding was it was going to go to Western Springs. Uh, They were going to uh, adopt the Western Springs Stadium. Uh, That would have been very accessible just off the motorway, lots of parking, etc., user-friendly, and develop a cricket ground out there. I, uh, and it might be my fault, have missed any developments on that. Uh, if that is the case. Uh, John, I'm not sure whether you are, are across any development out, out there towards Western Springs, but I thought that was a very good idea to take uh, Test Cricket away from uh, from Eden Park, but not necessarily away from its biggest audience. So yeah. uh, have you heard anything? I mean, Victoria Park would be fantastic in its terms of its location as well. But then again, you get into that Eden Park scenario, where do you park around Victoria Park? <laughs> Yeah, no, that would be a massive development, wouldn't it? And I mean, we know Auckland cricket itself is at loggerheads over this and there's fights at board level and all sorts of uh, falling out at that level, Smithy. So it's not very straightforward when it comes to getting a test venue in Auckland. I think some uh, some clubs or some parts of the Auckland Cricket Board are for it and some are against it pretty much half and half and they're squabbling with each other. So I can't imagine there's going to be much movement on this for quite a while, which is a shame because I love going to test cricket. I've been to a couple of those day-night ones at Eden Park and it's all right, it's okay, but it's just not a test cricket ground. I much prefer one like the Basin, one like they've got in uh, Dunedin, University Oval and Hagley Oval as well, by all accounts, is absolutely beautiful. So a nice boutique ground would be the way I'd want it to go, Smithy, but uh, board-level arguments, uh, they don't get solved very quickly, do they? No, they don't, and they should, because uh, when you get stubborn fractions on boards, you start to stand in the way in the progress of the game, and, uh, and at this point, if it's slow and developing, it means Auckland's missing out for a lot longer going forward, and uh, there is a very healthy cricket audience in Auckland, there's no doubt about it. And finding the right venue 
uh, you know, for, for the long-term future, uh, I think should uh, not be a, an, an item that's put on the back burner for any length of time at all. Uh, PD in Auckland on the Extra League team says, Smithy is a long-time suffering Warrior supporter. I think a second NRL team here in New Zealand would be amazing. 18,000 at Mount Smart is only second to 40,000 at Eden Park. However, unfortunately, I don't think there's any way a New Zealand business could sustain or support another NRL team. We can barely keep comps like the NPC, domestic cricket and netball afloat and relevant with the New Zealand sporting public. We also don't have the club infrastructure in any sport here like they do in Australia to assist with the operating costs of a franchise, i.e. leagues, club, property ownership, investment portfolio, it is a real shame. Uh, PD, uh, you certainly will be going into the reckoning for uh, text of the week and text of the month. Of course, uh, Temper Pillar worth 299 bucks for that. Uh, the big text of the month. Uh, Zane already qualified from week one. Uh, will win a Temper Queen package. That includes a Queen mattress, a Temper Queen adjustable base, and two Temper pillows valued at $10,000. I understand Brendan McCullum has one. Uh, he seems to get all the perks, but that's just because he's Brendan McCullum, uh, and he raves about it, absolutely raves about it. Uh, and on the subject of Brendan McCullum, another text from Richard B. Mack, must be, uh, must be good friends with Owen Morgan. I know that he is from that point of view, um, because Richard says, I remember hearing him say he was MC at his wedding. You can't get much better friends than that. Uh, and also Kyle Jamison uh, didn't get much of a crack, eh? No, he hasn't. I saw him carrying the drinks out the other day. Uh, so uh, we'll get uh, to the bottom of that with Mike Hesson because he's part of the Bangalore franchise uh, when, uh, when it comes to the time that we can actually talk to Mike Hesson. Uh, another f- uh, fan coming in saying, I'm a big Warriors supporter, but I'm not keen for a second team. I think a second team will damage the Warriors. Less sponsorship, uh, less talent to pick from New Zealand and effectively the same pool. So uh, thanks so much for all your input this morning. There's a small window after... 11.30 when we can read some more out. So please, by all means, get some more in, Double eight, double three. But in the meantime, the phone number is more important, 0800 because coming up to 11.30, it is stump smithy time. Get on the blower and see if you can win 50 bucks worth of vouchers from the TAB. Certainly is, but didn't get a stumping yesterday. It was unusual. Formula One came unstuck on the slippery surface, crashed into the barriers, and someone walked away with not only 50 bucks from the TAB, but also our Sleep Drops Daytime Revive, New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements. But it is a new day and a new chance for Smithy to stump you. And we've got David from Christchurch first through. G'day, David. Morning, guys. How are we? I'm doing very well. Uh, a bit of chat this morning about a second NRL team in New Zealand. The Wellington Hawkers have tried for 30 years, David, to try and get a team in the NRL. Would you be interested in supporting a, a second New Zealand team in the NRL? Well, I love me NRL. Um, yeah, yeah, I reckon we're overdue, aren't we? Yeah, I think so. And the Canterbury Bulls and the Canterbury Cardinals. There used to be two teams down in Christchurch. They sure did, yeah. You had the Shiners as well. Holy, love their league down there in Christchurch. Uh, You know how this game works. You get three sporting categories. You choose one, then three questions. Get them right. You get that 50 bucks in the sleep drops, but get one wrong, and Smithy can stump you, and you can leave with nothing. Yeah, we'll give it a crack. All right, mate. No rugby league for you, unfortunately, but there is rugby union, basketball, and tennis. Which one do you like? Oh, gee. uh, (laughs) I'm going to have a crack at the tennis. Tennis. All right. Smithy, how are you feeling about that one? 
Yeah, I'm interested. I, I, I noticed he was pretty reluctant, though, so I'm feeling just a little bit confident about this. So, and hey, to, to be fair, uh, it is in my DNA. I love beating Cantabs, so uh, look out. Oh. oh, I like this. I like this. Bit of tension Shot already, David. Already. Yeah, mate, let's get started. <laughs> Oh, everyone loves beating a Cantab, but it just doesn't happen as often as we'd all like. So keep that winning streak going, David. Make your province proud. Question number one on tennis. The Davis Cup is a men's teams tournament played between countries. I'm sure you know that. Who are the current champions of the Davis Cup? Oh, I think it might be the Czech Republic. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Not the Czech Republic. Mm. Trying to think of who would be their best men's tennis players, but I couldn't really think of too many from the Czech Republic. But Smithy, a chance for a stumping? Okay, well, I'm going to stay in that part of the world, actually. I'm going to stay um, right up there. Uh, and I do, uh, I'm not confident about this, but um, Novak Djokovic, I think, represents Serbia. Uh, so I'm going to have Serbia to try and knock the Cantab out in round one. He's got it. He's out caught. No, no, not quite right, Smithy. So, David, you're still alive. It is Rafa Nadal and the Spaniards. They are the current Davis Cup champions. They must have played on clay. Must have played on clay to win that. So you're still alive, David. Question number two. Monica Seles is probably most famous for being stabbed by a crazy fan in 1993, but she was also an unbelievable tennis player. How many Grand Slams did Monica Seles win? I'm going to say six. Feet everywhere, body nowhere, and uh, the rest of him on the way back to the pavilion. You've given it a crack, and I like that, but it's not correct. Smithy, another chance. Get those gloves okay. ready. Rightio, so first of all, Monica Sellis never won any. Monica Sellish won a few. Okay. So that's just picking you up, John Day. Yeah, I like Selish. that. Uh, right, okay. I think she won 11. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Oh, so close to a stumping. You went to whip off the bales, but they didn't come off. Ten. Ten Grand Slam singles titles from Monica Salish. All right, David, you're, you're lucky so far. Will you be lucky I'm again? I'm hanging on here, aren't I? You are. You are for grim life. Just like a good Cantab does. Through adversity, you make it through. So question number three. Which player, by reaching the 1992 French Open final holds the record for being the youngest player to have reached the finals of all four Grand Slam men's singles tournaments. So in 92, he made the French Open, and that made him the youngest men's player ever to reach all four Grand Slam singles finals. Who was it? 92. I'm going to say Pete Sampras. One of the worst things... I have oh, ever seen no. done on a cricket field. Three wrong, but the beauty of this game is you can still walk away with 50 bucks in the TAB and some sleep drops. So, Smithy, up to you. 30 years ago, uh, I think a young American by the name of Michael Chang. <laughs> no, no, you both missed out there. Three wrong oh. each, and so that means you do win, David, from Christchurch, those daytime revived sleep drops and 50 bucks from the TAB. It was Jim Courier. So make sure you try New Zealand's sleep drops, .co.nz, all ages, lifestyle stages, sleeping challenges. Read the label, though, David, and take as directed. Sleep Drops Auckland. You're a winner, mate. 
Oh, gee, uh, well, <laughs> none from three. I'll, I'll take it, though. <laughs> yeah, none from six, actually, counting my lot as well. So, hey, David, yeah. uh, in all seriousness, though, um, look, uh, I congratulate you uh, on... On your victory this morning, much as it hates, uh, it goes against the grain. But you yeah, know, you're, you're a champion. Hollow from, victory, you're a champion. <laughs> you're a champion from Christchurch. Please, please, and not many down there, to be honest. Uh, stay on the line. Stay on the line, and Brian will get your details. David, uh, absolutely wonderful. Spend that fifty bucks wisely and to turn it into something really cool. Uh, it's 11.38 here on SENZ. When we come back, uh, tipping competition for the NPC. Uh, we need an update there on the ham, uh, etc. where we're going with uh, John Day and myself and still the opportunity to, to read out a few texts before we get through to Staffy just prior to midday. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's 11.43 here on SCNZ. Uh, Mark Leishman is your man, says Zane, and I always believe in Zane. Tied for fourth, tied for third since the new season kicked off. He's putting like a demon too. Got to be a lock for a top five finish this week. Well, I've jumped the gun then, Zane. If that's the case, I've gone for Dustin Johnson at $3.75. But I would say I did look at Mark Leishman as always, Zane. You're on the spot. Uh, another one, Smithy, New Zealand does not end at Cook Strait. The mainland has a strong rugby league base and players, clubs and supporters. We also have a huge business sector to tap into for financial backing. We're not all sheep and cows. The Warriors have pretty much snubbed the South Island, but there's a huge hunger for the game here uh, to play it, and they will come. Play it, build it, and they will come, says PJ from Tamuka. You may well be right, and here's a really dangerous one for the weekend coming up in Hawke's Bay. Uh, we're on our way over to the annual pilgrimage uh, to the races. Is Turk still allowing people to enjoy themselves? Uh, the Wonga boys, Guy Lennox. I don't mind mentioning your full name, Guy Lennox. Uh, yep, uh, they'll let you in. I'm sure they'll let you in because you spend so much in there. That's why you and your, you and your crony mates. So uh, we'll look forward to seeing you over the next few days, Guy, and uh, be on your best behaviour uh, of uh, Wanganui rugby and racing fame, the Lennox family. Uh, so, yeah, we'll look forward to seeing you. Uh, John, you've got um, uh, any updates on, on any tipping competitions that we might know of? You're very interested in this tipping competition all of a sudden, Smithy. I wonder why. Um, we're doing it yeah. early uh, this week because you're not going to be on the show tomorrow. Um, so we've got to get in our picks one day earlier. So we're going in a bit blind with a few of these matches. But last week, of course, we both tipped Wellington against Canterbury that went to extra time and Wellington won uh, Peter Umunga Jensen scoring so both got that right Hawks Bay beat Tasman in case you'd forgotten for the Ranfilly Shield oh. you picked the Magpies I picked oh, really? the Markle yeah, yeah the, oh, I missed that yeah missed that. who would have thought game? you know Magpies just picking at the eyes of the Markle Shark and Absolutely leaving it finless. Yeah, so I got one even further behind there. Otago Taranaki, we both went the Naki. Uh, they won. And then you took Southland, who were looking pretty good at halftime against Manawatu, who didn't have Aaron Smith, but the Turbos came out on top. So we were both three from four last week. So you still lead by three, Smithy. 22 out of 31, which is 71% tipping. Not too bad for the NPC. Yep. They've been a lot better, lot better than my multis. I've got to say, a lot better ratio than the multis. Slightly easier to do, yes, uh, to put it together. But uh, so uh, let's, yeah, yeah. Stephen McIver, by the way, folks, is uh, hosting tomorrow the big show uh, on my place. I'm unavailable um, for.
for selection. So uh, we're, we're moving on. And Steve McIver, a legendary broadcaster, will be in the chair from 9 to 12 tomorrow morning. Uh, still produced by John Day. And uh, Brian uh, Rarity will be on panel as well. He'll be the guy talking to uh, you when you ring through. Uh, like, okay, what are we... Are we, we going to continue this on, or have you uh, given up? Oh, no, no, I'm not giving up, Smithy. I'm not ready to fork out oh. my hard-earned. And because it's all been locked in now, I think there's three or four more rounds and then playoffs, plenty of plenty of time to get those three picks back. So let's start tomorrow night. We've already heard from the Northland camp. Very disruptive build-up to this one. Playing a home game in Rotorua against Otago, who were... Yeah, quite good against Taranaki last week. So you're going to go for the Tanifa or the Blue and Golds? Uh, Tanifa. Absolutely going for the Tanifa this weekend. So, yeah, out and out Tanifa. I like what I was hearing about the way they've had to make the sacrifice uh, to get away, uh, to get away from uh, Whangarei in this ridiculous time up there uh, and make their way all the way down to uh, the Bay of Plenty. So I'm going to say with that commitment, it deserves some support and I'm right behind them, the Tanifa to beat Otago. I'm always nervous when you tip the Tanifa because that one where you tip them to beat Waikato is the greatest tip of the year. I'm going Otago. The Southern men are coming up the way. A nice settled build-up for them. I thought they were pretty good against the Naki last week. So dual win. They've both only had one win, these two teams, so pretty desperate stuff. Uh, Saturday, Waikato, Taranaki in Tauranga. Of course, Waikato forced out of Hamilton as well, Smithy. So Bay of Plenty has got a feast of rugby. Taranaki, the only team to win every single game they've played in this season against Waikato, who are hard to pick. Yes, this is a tough one. This really is a tough one. Um, but I'm, I'm going to go Waikato. I, I am going to go Waikato. I, 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 I know they're sour at the moment. They've got a real reason to be sour as well, Taranaki, I feel, on the promotion relegation side of things. But that might have just disheartened them somewhat on the basis that it looks like all their good work is going to come to nothing. So therefore, John, mentally, mentally, I think Waikato might win that one. What do you, how do you see it? Yeah, I, I like that. I like your um, psychology when it comes to your um, picking, but I reckon Neil Barnes has fired up publicly, so the players are got to be like, we've got to back up Barnesy here and put out a good performance on the field against the Mulus. A great battle, this one, Waikato against Taranaki. They hate each other, So, oh, even though they're both in the Chiefs. So um, I'm going to go Taranaki, so different so far. Canterbury, Hawks Bay in Christchurch, 4.35 Saturday afternoon. Will there be some sort of Ramphilly Shield hangover? They got their big game out of the way going down to Christchurch. Will they be motivated, the Magpies, Smithy? Uh, they're going to avenge my loss to Dave from Christchurch uh, <laughs> on the... <laughs> just had the stumps, my Love competition. It. I'm sure there'll be high motivation for them. <laughs> Incidentally, that game between Waikato and Taranaki, that's for the Ryan Wheeler Cup. Uh, of course, um, uh, dedicated to Ryan Wheeler, who uh, played for both of those particular provinces. So uh, that's for that. Um, I, I would be, I would be really uh, keen to see Hawks Bay uh, continue this great streak. They're top of the table. Uh, to win the competition, you have to beat Canterbury. Uh, so therefore, they're going to do that. Uh, so I'm going to tip them. Away from home. The role continues, JB. The role, JD, the role continues. I like that. I like that, but I disagree. I think they put every, They needed everything to beat Tasman, everything they possibly had. The bodies will be bruised still from that encounter, and Canterbury will be hurting after losing an extra time. So I'm going the Cantabs. And then Saturday night, 7.05 in Palmy North. This one is great. There are always fists flying in this match. It is Manawatu against Wellington. Do two provinces hate each other more than these two. Uh, maybe is it just one way, Smithy? The Turbos hate Wellington. <laughs> Which one are you going to go for? Uh, 
I'm going to give you a, a chance uh, to get back in the comp here. Um, so I'm going to say, uh, and why I'm going first all the time, it's got me bluffed. But however, <laughs> you keep the, having, you, I don't know, you seem to have the second say over the top of me. I, I'm going to go, I'm going to go Manawatu. There you go. I'm going Manawatu. Uh, and I, I think that they'll be uh, too strong. Uh, they're on a great roll as well. They, they really are on are. a great roll. Um, yeah, I don't know whether they've got Aaron Smith or not. They didn't last week. Who knows whether he'll be back this week. I've tipped Wellington so many times, it's become habit for me. I'm tipping them again. So we're all different in all four games this week. It could go anyway. But there's a good text as well uh, from Michael who texted in. What do you think about non-competition games in the NPC? And this is interesting for the tipping comp as well because Tasman played Bay of Plenty on Sunday in Nelson. But there's no points on the line, Smithy. So do we tip this game? Yeah, I'll take Tasman. You can have uh, you can have uh, the, the other team. Play plenty, <laughs> do I? No thanks. No steamers for me. All right, we'll okay. tip that as well. That's Marco on four oh five on Sunday in Nelson. So that's yeah. the tipping comp for another week. Okay, thank you very much for that. Um, I'm just getting a couple of uh, extra texts before we have a break, and then Staffy uh, Smithy Guy Lennox, the man I was just talking about, has a share in Delphi. In the Caulfield Cup, well, uh, if Delphi wins the Caulfield Cup, Turks won't be big enough on Saturday night. Uh, I can see Brent says I can see why Kato is playing Hawks Bay. Is that a shield challenge? Yes, it is, Brent. Uh, so they have to defend it again, and that is great news. And here's an interesting one that I had knew nothing about. Uh, Reed's come in and says Ma Nonu playing for East Coast this weekend. Ma Nonu playing for East Coast this weekend. I didn't know anything about that, John. Maybe Staffy does. Uh, he'll be coming with us shortly.